0: Welcome to Gorta Chuviette's Female Financial View podcast, your monthly insight into the topics and trends that are relevant to women trying to navigate the world of finance. So you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you are listening on, or by following hashtag QC Female Financial View on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Vanessa Eve, Investment Manager based in our Leeds office, and this month I am pleased to be joined by Joanne Wellman. A chartered financial planner for Quilter based in our London office. So, thank you very much for joining us today, Jo. Now, often when I'm helping clients for the first time, one of the first questions that I'm asked is what is the difference between a financial planner and an investment manager? Aren't they just the same thing? And so, to try and help out with this, um, I use the analogy of when someone is building. A house, you would employ an architect to design the structure of your house, but you wouldn't then ask the architect to build the house. You would get in a builder to tell you which materials to use to best build the house that you have designed or the architect has designed. So in this situation, the financial planner designs the structure of your finances, while the investment manager selects the best investments to meet the financial objectives that you're trying to achieve. So hopefully for those listening, this helps to explain that there is actually quite a fundamental difference in what we each do within our own area of expertise, which actually complements one another. And it's on that note that I'd like to bring in Joe, um, because with the world of financial planning changing often at a really dramatic pace, what do you see as the benefits of working collaboratively with an investment manager to meet the financial objectives of your clients?
1: Um, Firstly, thank you very much for having me. Um, So for me, um, financial matters have greatly evolved over the years. Um, and showing the benefit um, has become increasingly difficult, um, especially because you've got so many online platforms and information that's readily available to clients. So I think combining the two expertise gives the clients the best of both worlds. They benefit from a personalized plan, looking at mitigating their risk, ensuring the tax efficiency and using all the available allowances and avoiding um, capital depletion, along with the appropriate risk management, the sufficient portfolio diversification, active fund management, and then the ease of the administration. And I think it's fair to say, given
0: the past 18 months, a lot has changed both in the financial planning world, but also in investment management. So having two experts looking at these individual parts in tandem with one another really does help. Um, And I think that's, yeah, absolutely. And, And I think that's where I suppose, Cruelty Achieve it in in particular, we've been doing a lot of work around what we call the female financial journey and the challenges that are specifically faced by women when it comes to planning their investment and financial journeys in the first place. Um, Joe, what do you see as the the major obstacles that women primarily face, and how can that specifically impact on their financial well-being?
1: So with this list, I think it can be pretty extensive, um, but there's four main things that I would cover. Um, So the first thing is financial confidence. Um, A lot of women feel intimidating when discussing financial matters and having to make complex investment decisions. So instead of confronting their fears and utilizing um, the expertise of professionals, um, they shy away from the topic and they avoid addressing it. Um, Avoiding and uh, addressing this issue um, will actually have an increased shortfall, especially when it comes to their retirement planning. The second point would be that um, generally women are more risk adverse than men. So again, this particularly impacts their long-term investment planning. So they're not willing to take risk um, to reduce the compounding effect of their investment. And this greatly impacts the fund value over a long period of time. Um, The third thing would be time. Um, mostly the women are the primary caregivers for children and for their ageing parents. So women have far less time compared to men. Um, the financial planning seems to be one of those things that always gets pushed to the bottom of the to-do list, and it might be years before they actually address the issues. Um, so not using your available allowances for several years will actually impact the overall tax efficiency of their planning, and as a result, they'll have uh, uh, ne- this will impact their net um the net value of their portfolios. Um, The final thing would be the gender age gap. So shockingly, this is still true in current times. So on average, women are getting paid far less than men. Um, The employer pension schemes, they are based on employee and employer contribution as a percentage of their earnings. So getting paid less uh, means that we effectively are saving less towards our retirement. We're also having um, reduced net disposable income, which means that we've got reduced emergency funds. Um, We've got less money towards our family protection planning. And it also means that we're saving less to meet our short-term goals. And I think it's that last point, because
0: obviously paying um, men and women different salaries for the same job is clearly illegal. Um, but for women working in different sectors, and the, the trend has been that women do work in sectors that are paid uh, far less than men, actually, it doesn't matter if uh, employers are contributing the same percentage basis if women are, are earning less in the first place. So that's a, a really important point, I think, to to highlight and raise. Um, Joe, I'd also like to pick up specifically on your point about women being more risk averse to men. Do you see this as being more the case that women are more cautious than men when it comes to investing? Or does it almost go back to that point that you said about the, the gender pay gap? It's more to do with the fact they don't have the capacity to see a drop in value of their investments because they're actually able to save less and therefore don't have that capacity to see drops in the value of their investments in the first place?
1: Um I think it's a combination of both, um, to be honest. I, I think as um, females, we are less um, we are less risky than men. Um, I think it's also to do with the fact of what we were exposed um, to during our careers. So I'm thinking, if you like, probably um, this is a long shot, but I think if you look at the statistics of compliance and um, like um, for any company, it will probably come up that women. Um, or a safer bet in the workplace because we probably have <laughs> yes. less issues when it comes to um, compliance or regulations because we kind of stick, tend to stick to the rules, um, which I think is our nature as women uh, and that makes us less, um, less risky. So I think we don't necessarily take um, the risk reward ratio into account, particularly when we're doing investment planning um, over a long period of time, um, and also then the combination of the fact that we do get paid less. So seeing the capacity for loss and seeing the actual fund values um, is also um, is also is also true.
0: And, that, and that's a really fair point, because sometimes it could actually be an educational piece, which as an investment manager, we will actually do that. We help our clients understand what risks they need to take to be able to achieve their financial objectives. So there is an educational piece to be done um, specifically for women who haven't had as much exposure to investments, maybe as their sort of male counterparts. Um, And I suppose a follow-on point from this, and it actually relates back to our previous podcast episode, which highlighted how the cost of childcare can often lead to families making difficult choices about whether both parents continue working or whether one parent stays at home. Now, um, some recent Office of National Statistics data show that women, on average, are paid 9% less than men. So going back to your point about... um, women being paid less. Um, And given this, women still tend to be the ones who will give up work where the costs of remaining in work are just too high for that particular family. What do you see as the long-term financial impact for women who may opt to give up work to take care of their children?
1: So the biggest impact here, um, I would say that we will be left with reduced retirement provision. Um, If you combine this with the fact that women's life expectancy is longer than men, um, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Um, The depletion of funds in later life is a real concern. Um, From that, I also think... um, divorce cases at the moment is um, posing a bit of a problem so there's much more focus on women being able to return to work and receiving smaller rewards of maintenance so the expectation is in a divorce case um, they don't get as much maintenance because they expected that they should for the remainder of their working career return back um, to work so when they do return to work after taking an extensive time off um, this will have a massive impact on their starting salary and ultimately their ability to generate wealth for a comfortable retirement, and it's often that they will struggle to meet a similar standard of living um, compared to before the divorce.
0: And I think that's a really fair point, because obviously, if you take a a significant career break, it's not as easy as saying, well, you can just go back to to work and uh, you'll be able to find a job within a very short space of time. So I think that's a really, really important point. Um, And I suppose the other element to that is women tend to, in a divorce situation, will tend to want to hold on to the matrimonial home because that is almost their safety net without necessarily appreciating how much it can cost to run it if they don't have those maintenance payments or other source of income. Um, So I, I think it's all of these different elements that you've raised, which uh, I suppose feeds into my next question about how can financial planning really help women with ensuring that they're able to have a more secure financial future for both themselves and, and also their wider family?
1: Um, So for me, the key to good financial planning is time. Like I've always said to my clients, like most planning and most problems we can fix if we've got a time period to do it in. Um, So the sooner you start planning, the more likely you are to achieve your goals at the lowest cost. Um, It's facts. Um, It's basically as simple as that. If women are planning to take time off for raising the children, it's essential that they include this in their planning, um, that they keep up to date with whatever pension contributions that's affordable for the family during this period. Um, They they need to utilise the tax relief where possible and the compound interest over decades uh, before the funds will be accessed um, will make a considerable difference. Um, They could also consider making voluntary contributions towards national insurance to increase their contribution years to ultimately gain full entitlement to the state pension during the course of their lifetime. Um, Again, this will increase their income in retirement.
0: And actually, I suppose all of these elements feed into the concept of risk as well, because actually, if you make your investments if you do your financial planning over a longer period of time technically speaking you're able to meet your objectives with a lower risk mandate because you've got exactly. a longer time frame to actually achieve this whereas if your time frame is much shorter potentially to meet your financial objectives you actually have to increase your risk levels so it actually pays to to take the financial planning and investment manager advice far earlier And as you say, then give yourself that time to build up that pot in a secure way, but potentially also in a lower risk way. And and I think, it's on that basis that actually I'd like to bring in the fact that Quilt did do a female client survey specifically focused on, on women and their experiences of investments and financial planning. And it, it feeds into the point that you mentioned earlier about confidence, that, that women do have a lower level of financial confidence when it comes to things like financial planning and investments. And our research actually found that their first experience Experiences of both financial planning and investment management often come about as the result of an inheritance. So, what part do you think financial education at a younger age could play in terms of building up a woman's confidence? And I suppose really empowering them to make those first steps in in terms of financial planning and investments to make sure that they have a more secure footing?
1: Um, I think it would have a massive impact, to be honest. Um, If you think about anything in life, the more you talk about a topic, the better you educate yourself about the topic, the more you practice something, the easier it becomes and the more confidence you have in addressing or participating in it. So finance is exactly the same. If you start openly speaking about it and addressing the basics at a young age, um, it will be become part of the fundamentals. So we will naturally start addressing financial planning at a young age. We'll start saving earlier. We'll protect our risks earlier. The riffle effect would be tremendously positive. So if you reduce the burden of your overall planning, you will have a longer period to save. Um, it would also t- take out protection plans um, when you don't have medical conditions and when the premiums are more affordable. So overall, the net cost would be substantially less than leaving everything to a later stage in life.
0: It always astounds me that uh, we have all this education within our schools on so many different topics, and yet finance does not feature. So something that definitely needs but to be addressed.
1: You can learn algebra because that will be very useful when um, in later
0: life. <laughs> But you can't, you can't talk about compound interest or the effects no. of uh, mortgage rate interest, things like that. It's yeah, it it baffles me that uh, yeah we're we're expected to go out into the world and understand this immediately, and yet are never taught it in school or or potentially by by parents who aren't as financially savvy either. So yeah, definitely work to do there, and hopefully this podcast will uh, yeah encourage people to find out more. And I, I think this is where. I suppose, a a final point that it is clear that women do have a lot to think about in terms of the financial journey they need to take, Um, you know, the the trigger events. I mean, we've covered some of them today. You know, we've talked about things like childcare, flexible working. Um, We've touched upon the fact that at the other end of the spectrum, there's also caring for elderly relatives. And we haven't even touched upon things like the menopause that can cause career disruptions. Um, And as you said, Joe, you know, longer life, expectancy means that we have to make those smaller finances last longer. Um, And all of these things combined really do potentially impact uh, a woman's financial journey. So I suppose for those uh, people listening today, what would be your call to action in terms of making sure that they can have that sense of stability and safety, whatever events they might encounter during their financial journey?
1: Um, So I would say you need to start saving as young, as young as possible. The sooner you save, the longer period of time that you will have and also the less um, you have to start off with. So even if it's a middle amount, just start saving as soon as possible at a young age because compound interest effectively is the eighth wonder of the world. Um, you need to utilize as much of your allowances as possible. You need to claim your pension tax relief. You need to get the matching contributions that's available from your employer. You need to use your ISO allowance if possible. You need to build up your... Um, lifetime ISA account to purchase that first property. Um, even if you just start with these small amounts, you just need to get in the habit of religiously doing it. Um, you need to track your national insurance contributions to ensure that you get as many full-time years as possible. You currently need 35 qualifying years um, to get the full state pension. So you can also make your voluntary contributions um, for the years that you're not working. But it's essential to just keep track of them and just seeing where you're at, where you're at in the just projecting how many working years you still have left. Um, I always say to my clients, keep track of your finances, make a spreadsheet with all the technology and things available these days. It's pretty easy to keep on top of it. Um, if you've got a system that you've got in place and you're recording everything and you keep your finance, finances up to date, it's much easier to do financial planning and it's far less daunting.
0: I think some absolutely brilliant tips there, joe and, and thank you very much for all of those great insights. Uh, and I suppose to all of you listening today, there are lots of elements that we can really help with. But actually, it all starts with you and just taking those first gentle steps into the world of finance by just getting an understanding of what your financial journey might actually look like. So um, I I know we've covered a a huge amount today and hopefully you enjoyed the discussion on the podcast today. Now, we would love to hear from our listeners. So please do review the show now, wherever you're listening and share it on your socials. Um, It's incredibly important, particularly from a financial education perspective. So the more that this can be shared, uh, the the better it is for everyone concerned. Um, And please do tag us at Quilt Achieve It. It's also really important for us to understand what you, our listeners, would like for us to cover. So if there are topics or areas within the world of finance that you would like to understand more about, um, please do get in touch and let us know. Now, to make sure you don't miss a future episode, um, please do tap and subscribe um, using the buttons attached. In the meantime, do head over to our website at www.quiltachieviot.com, where you can visit our Women and Investing Hub for our latest news, industry insights, and upcoming events and webinars. There's also a whole host of uh, information covering a lot of the points that we've touched upon today, so probably a very useful place to start uh, if you want to learn more about the world of financial planning and investments that's it for us today so again thank you very much Joe, for your great insights into the financial journey um, that women need to take and how there are a lot more elements to consider potentially than what a man may encounter um, I think it's fair to say um, and again thank you to all of you listening today wherever you are we look forward to seeing you next
1: time